I must tell no more. Here fate sets limits to my art. Before you have gone half a league, under a beech, you'll find your man inquiring of a witch. Hello, friends! Welcome to the History Obscura podcast. This is somehow my 100th episode, so if you're a regular listener, thank you! I know some of you are interested in longer episodes and a bit more content, so I'm going to try to find a way to make that happen. Most likely, the cats will have to put in some extra hours, but we'll get there. So, for this monumental occasion, I've decided to read to you from the Archives of Witchery, beginning in the Newcastle Currents Saturday issue from August 13th, 1737, and moving through the half-centuries piece by piece to witness the transformation of public opinion on said witches. Once upon a time... The people here are so prejudiced to the belief of witches that you would think yourself in Lapland, was you to hear their ridiculous stories. There's not a village in the neighborhood without at least two or three. About a week ago, I was present at the ceremony of ducking a witch, a particular account of which may not perhaps be disagreeable to you. An old woman of about 60 years of age had long lain under an imputation of witchcraft, who being willing, for her own sake and that of her children, to clear herself, consented to be ducked, and the parish officers promised her a guinea if she should sink. The place appointed for the operation was the River Ouse by a mill. There were, I believe, 500 spectators. About eleven o'clock in the forenoon, the woman came, and was tied up in a wet sheet, all but her face and hands. Her toes were tied close together, as were her thumbs, and her hands tied to the small of her legs. They fastened a rope about her middle, and then pulled off her cap to search for pins, for their notion is, if they have but one pin about them, they won't sink. When all preliminaries were settled, she was thrown in, but unhappily for the poor creature, she floated, though her head was all the while under water. Upon this, there was a confused cry, a witch, a witch, drown her, hang her. She was in the water about a minute and a half, and then was taken out, half drowned. When she had recovered breath, the experiment was repeated twice more, but with the same success, for she floated each time, which was a plain demonstration of guilt to the ignorant multitude. For, notwithstanding the poor creature was laid down upon the grass, speechless, and almost dead, they were so far from shewing any pity or compassion that they strove who should be the most forward in loading her with reproaches. Such is dire effect of popular prejudice. As for my part, I stood against the torrent, and when I had cut the strings which tied her, 
had her carried back to the mill and endeavored to convince the people of the uncertainty of the experiment, and offered to lay five to one that any woman of her age, so tied up in a loose sheet, would float. But all to no purpose, for I was very near being mobbed. Sometime after the woman came out, and one of the company happened to mention another experiment to try a witch, which is to weigh her against the church Bible. For a witch, it seems, could not outweigh it, as thinking it might be of service to the poor woman, and made use of an argument which, though as weak as King James's for their not sinking, had some weight with the people, for I told them if she was a witch, she certainly dealt with the devil, and as the Bible was undoubtedly the word of God, it must weigh more than all the works of the devil. This seemed very reasonable to several, and those who did not think so had no answer. At last the question was carried, and she was weighed against the Bible, which, weighing about twelve pounds, she outweighed it. This convinced some, and staggered others. But the parson, who believed through thick and thin, went away fully assured that she was a witch, and endeavored to inculcate that belief into all others. King James's argument why witches would not sink was this. They had renounced their baptism by water, and therefore the water would not receive them. Two years afterwards, the same Newcastle Current published the following news from Edinburgh. Last week, a very extraordinary cause was laid before the Justices of Peace. A man who resides in Conington sued a certain tradesman who had violently assaulted his wife with a drawn sword with a design to cut her above the brow. He pretended she was a witch. By the circumstances of the story, it would seem that the poor fellow is delirious. He had entertained a passion for the woman while she was yet unmarried, and being disappointed of his view, became melancholy. He tells that his former sweetheart visits him every night and engages him to act as a husband, and that when he denies to satisfy her desires, she threatens him severely. He pretends that several days after he is tacked and tormented in a terrible manner. This, he says, influenced him to make the attempt to get some of her blood. But by the nature of this disease, we cannot but imagine the loss of some of his own blood, and a better diet would be a much more effectual cure. In the Ipswich Journal, on Saturday, the 28th of June, 1735, John Kinsman, a poor shoemaker of Nisby, was, by upwards of a thousand spectators from all the neighboring villages, conducted to a great pond in Kelmarsh Lordship, and underwent the discipline of the ducking stool for being suspected as a wizard, and conspiring with the devil, his master, to prevent the lazy dairywomen's making good butter and cheese. 
Moving forward in time to the London Evening Standard of Tuesday the 9th of October, 1827. Witch Hunting Hopkins, a famous witch hunter, was deputed by the Long Parliament to find out witches, and it may be readily imagined that a person so employed would, for the credit of his craft, apply himself to his business with equal zeal and success. Among many methods which he used to discover witches, one was the well-known one of swimming, such as he chose to suspect, with their hand and feet tied. If they floated, they were clearly witches. Some persons who, even at that time, were scandalized by Hopkins' proceedings, seized upon himself and swam him. He floated, and so proved himself to be a wizard. In fact, many innocent and pious persons accused of witchcraft, when they observed the gestures and positive assertions of the accusers, began really to believe that the devil, in some manner they knew not how, had got possession of them, and therefore confessed that they were witches. Hopkins himself swam a malignant parson of 80 years age till he was almost drowned, and the parson, to escape immediate death, confessed that he was a wizard. In the year 1078, several persons were tried for witchcraft, who were said to have field meetings and dances in the night, at which the devil attended, accompanied by a clergyman called Gideon Penman, whom the devil called his chaplain, and whose office it was to follow the dancers and beat up those who were slow. The first thing the devil required of them was to renounce their baptism, and by putting one hand on the head and the other on the sole of the foot, to deliver up all between the two to his service. Some pregnant women, however, exempted the children, at which they said the devil was very much displeased. When they had done any mischief which the devil enjoined them, the way was to beat them most cruelly for their pains. To some of the ladies, however, he appeared in the shape of a proper gentleman. Sometimes the devil was piously disposed and, in the shape of a priest or minister, gave them the sacrament, his bread being like wafers, according to the true popish practice, and his drink being like blood or moss water. While the devil employed his chaplain in beating up the dancers, he himself assumed the office of preacher, and in his sermons never failed mightily to praise himself for his condescension in appearing when they called for him. He sometimes transformed them into ravens, crows, and bees, so as to enable them to fly to distant places. Such was the confession of the witches, which, as a learned judge of the time observed, made some intelligent persons stumble as to what faith should be exhibited to them. The witches, however, were strangled and burnt. Friar Louis of Marseilles, some 300 years ago, made a bargain with the devil, by which he was to have all his desires for 41 years on condition that he should be the devil's property at the end of that period, 
the devil being too cunning for the friar. Put the figure one before the four instead of after it, and made the time fourteen years, at the expiration of which the friar was discovered and burned. The contract may be seen to this day at Marseille, with the devil's claw on it. Moving on to the next century in news, the witch trial stories have disappeared in favor of advertisements for witch soap. You must have soap. Let yours be witch. If you save your witch soap wrappers and trade them in for prizes, you may win one pound per week for a whole year. Good night. Thank you.